Welcome to the Toward Wholeness podcast, hosted by Richard Dahlstrom and Abby Odio. In a post-Christian world where the image of Christ is often distorted, we offer thoughtful conversation and practical steps towards whole life transformation. For additional resources, please visit our website at wholenesspodcast.org. Welcome, everyone. Our desire here at this podcast is to help everyone who listens take steps toward wholeness both in spirit and in soul and in body. There are a lot of resources available on our website, and you can access those resources. One of the resources on the website is a new experience that we are offering to people called the Ancient Path Experience. And today, it's a joy to be sharing with you and introducing you to my friend, John Wayne Seitzler, who is working with me on this Ancient Paths experience that we're offering. So he's my guest today. Welcome, John Wayne. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Richard. First of all, I, I want to welcome you to Seattle. I know you're on staff at the church that I lead, but you've been you've been a, a guide at a place called Beyond Malibu, which is kind of this outdoor ministry up on the coast of British Columbia in Canada. I've been there. It's spectacular. You've taken people up into the mountains on glacier travel. You've been a sea kayak guide. You're an outdoor guy. And then we were privileged to hire you at Bethany Community Church as our director of wilderness ministries. So I'm glad that you're here in the Pacific Northwest, but you weren't born here. In fact, you were born in a place in many ways, culturally very far from the Pacific Northwest. Tell us a little bit about your migration up here to Seattle. Yeah, absolutely. I am uh, born and raised Dallas, Texas. But uh, after spending, you know, four summers up on the coast in BC, I became pretty fond of the Pacific Northwest. And then my fiance and I were looking at places to move and we wanted to go where there was good skiing and good climbing and hard to beat Seattle when it comes to those two. So we've been here uh, since the fall and uh, we've been able to do a little bit of both and it's been great being here. Absolutely. And uh, your wife is a nurse and we're in the midst of this coronavirus crisis. How is she doing in the midst of this, I say your wife because in my mind you're married, though you're not really married yet. The wedding is coming up, I know, at well, the end of the summer in August. But uh, yeah, how's she doing dealing with this stuff right now? Yeah, so she is four months into nursing dealing with a global pandemic. So the resiliency of this woman is just incredible. But um, yeah, I think she's she's handling it pretty well. It's been really cool to see how her kind of friends and family have rallied around her and supported her. And I think probably the the best coping mechanism so far has just been running and biking in the neighbor in the neighborhoods where she lives and the parks and that's just been really restorative for her. She's an outdoor person as well, isn't she? Yeah, she was a mountain guide at Beyond for three summers, so she knows more than both of us. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, there's a new thing that we're beginning right in the midst of a crisis, and on the surface, it seems almost trivial to me to be thinking about starting a new ministry or a new program or a new experience uh, in the middle of all the uncertainty that is coronavirus and COVID-19. And yet at the same time, at another level, I really feel that uh, what we're going to be talking about today is incredibly appropriate and applicable to this moment. We're talking about the ancient path experience that will be made available to people uh, in the summer of 2020. And so just to start with, could you tell us a little bit about what the ancient path experience is? 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, it is, it sounds really interesting, you know, a new ministry at a time like this. But I would, I would just add that what we're doing here, as opposed to creating some newfangled thing, we're really just looking at the pattern of the scriptures and pulling a model of regular retreat with the Father that has existed since the beginning of creation. But uh, to kind of give a broad overview of the ancient past experience, essentially it's a 48 to 72 hour uh, fully guided facilitated outdoor experience where you get to retreat, uh, to be alone with the Lord, take a long look at your story and see how Christ is intersecting that. I think one thing that's really unique about it is there's some pre-coursework that's done prior to the trip. So you get to meet with your little small group that you're going out with and your two guides, and you get to walk through some some self-awareness tools, uh, creating a life map, Enneagram, etc. The purpose of which is just to equip you for this outdoor experience so that you can have a meaningful time um, of looking at your story and, and engaging with Christ in a, in a new way. That's fantastic. I mean, I think uh, the the name Ancient Paths has its roots in Scripture, the book of Jeremiah. And this is why I think it's so applicable and cogent to the moment in which we find ourselves. Mm. Uh, Jeremiah spoke, of course, in about the, the 7th century BC. And uh, during that time, Israel as a nation was imploding. The city of Jerusalem had been invaded by the Babylonians. People were being hauled off into exile. And in that moment when everything that was previously certain had evaporated, Jeremiah says to the nation of Israel, seek the ancient paths, Jeremiah chapter 6. And, and so this, there's, a, there's a, a way of living that is timeless, and our desire is to kind of recover that so that people can live into uh, the spirit and the, and the soul and the body wholeness that we believe every person is created for. Uh, tell me why the wilderness component is an appropriate part of an ancient past experience. Absolutely. I don't think it's it's any secret to our society that connecting with Christ in, in the outdoors is just easier. It comes more naturally. It's an undistracted environment. I think of scriptures like Psalm 19, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament shows his handiwork. It's, it's no secret to the world um, that connection with the creator is just more available in the outdoors. What is a secret, unfortunately, and I hope not for long, is that throughout the history of the scriptures, the wilderness is God's choice nursery to sow transformation into the lives of his people. I'm talking about transformational discipleship. You look at the nation of Israel who became the nation of Israel, God's people in the wilderness, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, discovering their identity as God's people and discovering the identity of their God, who was their protector and provider during those 40 years. You look at the life of David, who was just trained as a leader by being a shepherd, shepherding his flock in the wilderness or uh, Moses's encounter with the burning bush, uh, a new identity received as the leader of a nation. And then you look at the life and pattern of Jesus and his ministry, which was not ushered into existence until a 40-day experience in the wilderness. But one core pillar 
that, that uh, made up Jesus's discipleship activity was regular retreat with the Father, which I think um, is what Ancient Paths is modeling so well. But there are a handful of scriptures that are almost identical to um, Mark one thirty five, where it says Jesus went up in the morning, went to a solitary place and prayed. And the result of that passage in particular is he uh, received instruction and and chose his 12 apostles. So this, this, uh, this pillar of regular retreat with the Father, with ancient paths, we just want to that, that is the ancient path that we are trying to replicate, uh, trying to bring back in a culture that is full of frenetic energy, just a space for people to connect with Christ in an undistracted environment and take a long look at their story while doing so. I know that I do this myself. I try and get out about once a year, usually, up into the mountains alone, and I spend about 24 to 48 hours, one or two nights out uh, often fasting in the process. Hmm. And uh, I will just say to you, God speaks to me in a powerful way in those, in those times. I know that uh, when I teach people I, uh, to be open to the beauty of God, I tell people that the beauty of God is seen not only in the text of the Bible, which is sometimes mysterious and hard to understand, not only in fellowship, but also in creation. Uh, there are many places in the Bible that talk about creation as God's book, revealing God's glory. Psalm 19, uh, Romans 10, Romans 1, Psalm 104, the end of the book of Job. So when I get out in creation, I know it's transformative because I have a kind of this subjective sense of intimacy with my creator that is powerful and different than when I'm in traffic in the city, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's good for you. Absolutely. I think of I, I think it's in Hosea where Hosea is talking about the Lord's relationship with the nation of Israel and it says he he uh invited her in, onto the mountaintop and spoke sweetly to her. The the heightened awareness that is available in the wilderness experience it's such a conduit for that transformational experience. I think it was Richard Rohr who said creation was God's first Bible. He absolutely reveals himself through the scriptures, through people, through Jesus Christ, and through creation. It's just embedded into the wilderness. So can you think of an, a time, I mean, you've, been, you've guided a lot of high school students uh, out into the uh, wilderness up in the uh, Cascades of British Columbia. Can you think of a time uh, and share maybe a story, an incident of a student who was transformed by a wilderness encounter? Mm. So I, I said earlier that I really do believe that the wilderness is God's choice nursery to sow transformation in the lives of people. And I had the privilege uh, one summer of getting to take up some high school seniors that I had been walking with back in Texas up on a mountain in the coastal range up there at Beyond. And this one, this one trip, we, uh, it was Mount JJ. We were shooting for a sunrise summit. So we got up at like 1 a.m. and started roping up because you had to cross a, a glacier to get to the summit. And we get out there on this glacier, and uh, my co-guide, Ryan, tells us to turn off our headlamps. And we look up, and the Milky Way is just in full regalia. Literally, that Psalm 19 passage, the heavens declare the glory of God, it had never rang more true. I mean, it was astounding. And it was an incredible trip. You know, we 
we, it was a great trip. We came off there. We had some great memories, but I, I really didn't feel like, you know, I didn't have that aha moment with my guys. I didn't see that take place. Fast forward three years later and I get a call from one of the guys who went on this trip, Drew, and he said, and he was not a believer at the time. And he, he calls me and says, Hey, I am leading student ministry in my college. And he pointed to that moment on that trip when the, when the change started taking place. So I, I would say it is a nursery. Seeds are sown there. You could have an incredibly uh, transformative experience where God's revelation is clear, or you could have an experience like Drew's where you can look back and be like, yes, the Lord sowed something into my life at that point. Absolutely. You know, uh, I was privileged uh, some years ago to be sitting at a dinner in New York City with Francis Collins, who's presently in the news a lot because he's headed up the National Institute of Health in the past Mm. and was involved in uh, the uh, Human Genome Project, where uh, biologists from the human genome, the guy's a genius, but he grew up an atheist. And when he went to med school, he said that what started him on the path to faith was seeing terminal patients in the hospital who who had faith in Christ, who also had a kind of this subjective sense of peace that was different than other people. And that set him out on a journey. So he encountered Christ in, I would say, in fellowship through terminal patients. That set him out on a journey. He started reading the Bible. But his moment of coming to faith actually happened when he was backpacking in the Cascades. And mm-hmm. he said he was hiking in the Cascades and the sun came up over the mountains. And and at that moment, he said he, he prayed to receive Christ. He wow. knew that um, God was real. And so like it's like we need all three of those books in a way. Yeah. But the book of creation is the probably the most neglected book in our present culture, which is so highly... Mm-hmm insulated you know so I, I i think that's very real and then you know i remember a guy my wife and i ran a wilderness ministry for a number of years and uh we would take people out on uh sometimes day hikes i remember stopping for a devotional one time and one of the kids in the group was kind of socially withdrawn is the only way i would describe him you know he'd been he'd experienced a lot of dark moments in his life really really had a hard life and he was probably 19 or so, I would say. Anyway, we said after breakfast, hey, go find something in creation here. We're sitting on a mountain ridge. There's wildflowers. There's sticks. There's rocks. Go find something in creation that represents your relationship with uh, what God is teaching you right now in this in this experience. We were in a six-week program outdoors. And everybody goes back, everybody goes out and people bring back sticks and rocks and, you know, flowers and stuff. And I'm looking and he didn't have anything. And I thought to myself, oh yeah, typical. This kid is the non-participatory kid, you know. So you go all the way around the circle. Nobody, everybody shares. He's quiet. Get to him. And he says, I couldn't bring back what I wanted to share because what I wanted to share was I saw this bee and I followed the bee during our 10 minute time. I followed the bee around and he, the bee visited all these different flowers. And then he shared his testimony and he said, I've come out of this really dark time in my life. And he said, you, each one of you is a flower and I'm that bee mm-hmm. and I've received so much from you. And he broke down and he cried 
And it was, I tell you what, it was a holy moment because he, what he did is he built a link between human fellowship and like creation was teaching him about the value of human fellowship. It Absolutely. Was incredibly powerful. So when people go out on a, on an ancient path experience, they just don't know what the weather will be. Yeah. Is it going to be hot or cold? Will there be bugs or no bugs? Spectacularly beautiful. But every context God can use to teach people something, right? I mean, you've seen that in your- it's an active it's an active classroom. Over half of Jesus' teachings in the gospels were given in the outdoors. It's not a, a backdrop for Jesus' ministry, for Jesus' discipleship. Uh, it was his preferred classroom of choice because you can you can bridge those those gaps uh, between our realities, our physical reality, our spiritual reality. It's it's such a wonderful tool to use to that end. I you know I read a, a book this winter called The Four Vision Quests of Jesus, and it was written by uh, a Native American who is also a Christ follower. And he like he was reading the Gospels through this lens of vision quest. And what I loved about the four vision quests is he notes, as you've already noted, the 40 days in the wilderness on the front end, but then he has two others and he has the garden of Gethsemane on the back end. Mm-hmm. So vision quest isn't just an experience for eighth graders, though it may be for eighth graders, but it seems like it could work for people of all kinds of different ages. Yeah, I would say the ancient past experience can mimic a vision quest or a rites of passage type of trip, which, you know, and what we're doing, we're not grabbing peaks out here. We're we're getting to an isolated place in the backcountry, free of distractions where you can have a safe space to interact with Christ. The purpose is not so much great views and great pictures. The the purpose is to get out there in a in a place where you can interact with your story and and engage with Christ in in a real and, and meaningful way. And that's something that when you structure it that way becomes available for anybody of any age, of any ability, because the the journey is not so much the uh the purpose of the trip, if that makes sense. You bet. Well we've got a, a video with some testimony on there from people who've already participated in one and uh the link to that video will be on the podcast notes uh as we're talking about this you and i are living in seattle and participants in our participants in our ancient paths experience they'll they'll be mostly local because there's that two month out meeting one month out meeting people there are people who are listening who are in places far, far from Seattle. So I'm wondering if someone wanted to move down this ancient path and they couldn't participate, uh, what would you suggest to them? Hmm, Great question. I I would start off with reassuring that the Lord is passionate about your journey towards wholeness, about your transformation. And there are avenues available for everyone, regardless of physical location, while I would encourage you to get outside and into some form of backcountry or, or isolation, the Lord is the Lord is so far above that. Lord is available in the mundane. So I would encourage you kind of move towards 
some mentorship, find somebody in your community that can kind of walk you through some self-awareness stuff to uh, take, take the Enneagram and, and have that conversation with somebody. Do you see this in me? Is this, is this making sense to you? And then sit with the Lord, sit with the Lord for an extended period of time. And I think this is especially applicable as we are mandated to our homes to kind of engage solitude with the Lord revolving around your story and revolving around your future. So I do believe that the uh, principles of the ancient past experience, the invitation from Jeremiah to the Israelites is is applicable for, for anybody listening here to stop and look at the ancient paths and walk in them. Um, and I would just ask you to consider what ancient path is the Lord inviting you to walk down? Is it taking a look at fasting? Is it learning to meditate a long walk outside and overnight outside um, to just spend that quality time with him? I don't know what it is, but I would encourage you to sit with the Lord in that question and see what comes up. Yeah, I think that's great. And I would I would only add that at this spiritsoulbody.org website, we're parking some resources and links that will help you grow in your spiritual identity in Christ through the biblical practice of meditation and help you grow in your soul by kind of walking, giving you tools to walk through your own understanding of your of your life story, uh, a tool called Life Map, and then on the on the body side of things as well, uh, we have some podcasts planned about health and fasting and wholeness that'll be upcoming. So you can subscribe to our podcast and uh, our blog and find these resources. We hope that they'll be helpful. But as well, if you're in the Puget Sound region or the uh, Pacific Northwest, the Ancient Paths experiences uh, that will be scheduled for this summer will also be on the Spirit Soul Body website, and you'll be able to access that information uh, through the links available in the podcast notes. So, hey, I want to thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon, my friend. It's very good to talk with you. We're social distancing on this particular uh, podcast via uh, the World Wide Web, just talking over the internet. It's, but it's good to be in voice contact at the least. It is. It is. Thanks for having me on, Richard. Are you still getting outside a little bit? Oh yeah, I've been doing some biking and some running. It's it's been it's been huge. Good. Well, my encouragement to everybody listening as well is uh, even if you can't, in some cities, I know parks are even closed. If you can't get to a park, just go look at one square foot of uh, sod and you will find life and be reminded that God is in charge and life is being sustained right in the midst of this crisis. And uh, we have an opportunity to be people of hope in the midst of all that's unfolding. So thanks again, my friend, and I look forward to seeing you soon.